Blade Suspense. Welcome everyone to the Cosmos Club, where we talk all things Cosmos, which we daily about what's going on in the Cosmos ecosystem. And then we invite interesting, fascinating, hardworking builders of the Cosmos ecosystem. And today we got you guys from Lava Network. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. We've been uh, trying to set this up for quite some time, uh, but I know you guys have been heads down uh, building Lava Network, which uh, I'm sure we will talk mostly about. But before we do, perhaps you can just introduce yourself and uh, how you guys ended up working uh, on the Lava Network. Uh, Omar, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll take the privilege of going first. Please do. All right. So uh, my name is Kagemni Karimu. I'm uh, formerly a DevRel at uh, Skynet, Skynet Labs. I was uh, very interested and a longtime follower of the SIA blockchain, which is, if you're unaware, was a proof-of-work uh, blockchain that focuses on decentralized storage. And so I've always been really into the protocol level layer of uh, crypto technology, really getting into Web3, understanding what's possible. You know, Skynet was a big experiment and looking at the uh, CDN and how we were gonna approach Web3 in terms of building uh, decentralized content delivery networks, similar to what IPFS and Filecoin is doing. Um, and now I'm the uh, DevRel engineer at Lava, really excited. You know, being a part of Lava is, is, is an exciting new chapter of the journey. It's still very much focused on the uh, protocol or infrastructure layer of crypto and Web3. So it's a great place to continue. It's been an exciting start for me, and I'm really glad to be joining us here today. Uh, thank you, Kagamni. Um, I'm Omer. I'm the chief architect officer of uh, Lava Protocol. Um, I uh, was here from the get-go. I'm a techie. I love experimenting and learning new tech. Uh, in my background, I have experience doing dig digital signal processing, protocol development, uh, modems. I'm a security researcher with several years background, and I decided to hop on the blockchain uh, industry because it's uh, super innovative and includes some of the most uh, uh, innovative and new tech that's possible in computer science and this excites me and uh and and the opportunity to build something innovative attracted me into the cosmos ecosystem uh, that i fell in love with beautiful beautiful and uh, as i mentioned in the beginning you guys have been heads down building so perhaps for any uninitiated person out there who doesn't know what lava network is all about uh, can you explain to us, perhaps as if we are five, maybe ten, I'll give you some slack, uh, what is Lava Network and why should we pay attention here? Well, the simplest answer is that anytime someone goes to access data from a blockchain, they're typically doing it through something called a remote procedural call. And that's a request response communication protocol where you have uh, someone from some computer somewhere sending a request to some sort of remote server or node, which then goes and gets that data, brings it back to, that, to the computer who originally requested it. And so this is done all the times behind the scenes. Anytime you send a transaction, anytime you query a blockchain, anytime you're interacting with a wallet, these RPC calls are being made. Lava is a decentralized network for RPC providers to be matched with developers who are in need of those types of uh, blockchain data accesses. And so using Lava, these providers and developers can interact in a peer-to-peer -peer seamless way. And, they, and developers can actually subscribe to access for any blockchain and providers can provide on any blockchain. So it is a decentralized Web3 native approach to solving the problem of RPC. Beautiful. And how, um, perhaps talk to us a bit about the, um, the implementation or how people would interact with this or developer, of course, uh, how would they, how would they play around with this? Uh, perhaps you can speak more to, yeah, how to get their hands on and uh, what they do actually. Well, we've got a couple of really great entry points into Lava. The first and uh, probably most shiny to see immediately is the gateway. The Lava gateway is similar to 
it's a similar experience to some of the uh, other offerings that developers may be more familiar with. It allows you to, through a web interface, get RPC endpoints, even some example calls. So if you wanted to, for example, query the Ethereum mainnet for a specific wallet address, the Lava Gateway gives you a project-based, you know, managed solution approach to easily get an endpoint for that, aquarium, uh, that Ethereum mainnet query. And um, it, it's a simplified, it's, it's very, very simple and easy to use. Uh, that's, that's one way in which you can get access. So that's at gateway.lavanet.xyz. Additionally, we have an SDK. It's going to be a JavaScript uh, TypeScript SDK. That's still coming soon but that's going to have some really, really great benefits. It's more um, for those who are looking for a, something that doesn't provide a managed access or some sort of you know, web user interface to use, that's going to be the bread and butter of a lot of developers. And then, and then there's also a little bit of a lower level tool that's available called the uh, server kit. And uh, Omer can probably speak to that even more eloquently than I can. Uh, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty great tool, additionally, for lower level, high throughput, you know, more on the enterprise grade access level of Lava. But all three of these tools, I will note, do all access the decentralized network behind the scenes. So they're really just different methods of using Lava. Um, I'll uh, explain a bit about uh, ServerKit. So ServerKit is an infrastructure that's uh, it's a it's actually a backend that's implementing the Lava protocol. What we're building is uh, aiming to be a standard for RPC provisioning, and we have some value propositions for providers and RPC consumers uh, to join that standard that we're trying to build a decentralized standard for services in Web3 and RPC calls are the bread and butter of interacting with user interfaces and increasing mainstream adoption. So in order to lower developer barriers of entry, we're aiming to make it so that the transitioning between providers are smoother, it's easier to uh, scale up your application, it's easier to uh, subscribe to that service, you don't have to pick a provider you don't have to compare, and we're aiming for the biggest and the greatest uh, providers to join that ecosystem uh, by encouraging and, um, and and monetizing quality of service uh, through our accountability mechanisms. So by building that standard, we are adding a lot more uh, 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 capabilities to the relay requests. So let's say I'm a consumer and currently, I'm used to throwing an HTTP request uh, using curl to Ethereum. Nothing guarantees that response is authentic. Nothing guarantees that if it's wrong, something's going to happen. And the Lava protocol is uh, removing those assumptions. Now, in order to check, for example, you want some verification that the response is authentic, it has to be cryptographically signed, just like everything else on the state transition of a blockchain uh, virtual machine. So Lava Protocol is trying to adopt the concepts of Web3 also when you're consuming RPC. And uh, developing something that handles that is part of the package. So because we don't want developers to now have a higher barrier of entry implementing the protocol. So by that approach, we're taking it in our three different uh, 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 environments that we're developing. The first being Gateway, Okay, yeah, you're uh, onboarding, you want to onboard uh, easily, you don't want any hassle, you want to do what you're used to from centralized providers and the offerings that you have today. Okay, just transition through the gateway. And we recommend it for people that care deeply about centralization only to be a step towards going to the other solutions, okay? Mm. But some customers, they care more about managed solutions or care more about other stuff, and we still want them to benefit from other providers joining the ecosystem. We don't want to cannibalize the big providers. We want them joining in the standards. So we need to offer that as well. And uh, those that care about decentralization have two uh, uh, solutions, one being the SDK that uh, Kagemni mentioned, and mm -hmm. is a fully decentralized peer-to-peer, -peer not going through any of uh, Lava's own servers, Okay, just directly to RPC providers chosen at random, and uh, this is mixed every period of time. Uh, and the 
uh, server kit that is a backend that is more high performant and allows developers that do want all the uh, data to go through them in order to um, supply better services, for example, transaction filtering and protections and, and statistics for the users and management and stuff like that. Uh, and that's what we're using behind the scene in the gateway. So uh, we are using what we're developing and everything is open source. Uh, SDK soon to be. Uh, it's very soon to be, actually. We're going to have some exciting news within this core. And um, yeah, I'm excited to share that. Right on, right on. And you mentioned a few things here that um, might be something that you need to elaborate on. Obviously, people in crypto and people in the Cosmos ecosystem, I think in particular, they are sort of more tech savvy than the average person, let's say. But um, RPC or remote procedure calls might be a bit over their heads. Um, so perhaps you can uh, speak more to what is RPC and why these uh, Web3 apps or dApps uh, need to uh, get access to blockchain data? Sure, I think I can offer a little bit of insight here. I think the simplest way to think of it is that, you know, when we speak about Web3, we, we still have to recognize that Web3 must be somewhere. You know, everything on the web must be somewhere. I know sometimes we get into cloud, sometimes we get into metaphors and make it seem as if all of this is appearing out of nowhere. But there is some sort of host somewhere serving data to your computer. Anytime you access a website, anytime you access a blockchain or anything running off of a blockchain, still that information has to be somewhere. So typically with a blockchain, that information, unless you're running a node and you will know if you're running a node because the setup process or installation process is usually pretty much, pretty, pretty, it's a lot more involved and usually has a lot higher hardware requirements than just accessing data from a blockchain indirectly. So if you're running a node, that means that you yourself are hosting the data from that blockchain usually. And so you will need, if you're not running a node, say you just use somebody's uh, decentralized application, you're on a dApp and that dApp is telling you the balance of various wallets or it's allowing you to send you know, transactions. What is happening behind the scenes is that dApp is really just giving you an interface or a front end to then go and retrieve that data from the blockchain somewhere. So RPC is the magic by which that happens. RPC is just, as I said before, a request response protocol. All it's doing is, is locating, okay, there must be someone who's hosting this information on that blockchain. Let's ask them, what is this wallet address? Okay, well, how much does it contain? Uh, can you send this transaction? And giving you back the data, whether that's you know, the confirmation whether that's the information that comes as a result of that request, but it, but it feeds it back to you. So it allows you to basically access a blockchain without hosting a portion of that blockchain yourself. So th that's mm -hmm. really a, a simplified explanation of RPC, but, but the easiest way to think of it is it allows you to keep the blockchain remote instead of having to have it locally. Nice. I think that's a nice way of putting it also. It's uh, it's not easy an easy concept to explain on a space like this without any graphics or anything, but uh, I think that's a nice analogy there. But how uh, how does the RPC market look like? Like, what would be a, a I don't know something an alternative to uh, to Lava Network, for example? Um, so let me open on this one. I just want to mention that uh, on Web three RPC is more popular than. Uh, third-party RPC, third-party meaning not running your own, is more popular than Web2. Why? Because you have a lot of dApps and they don't want the data to go through them because that's, you know, central decentralization. That's how, uh, you know, uh, users take ownership of their data, right? So let's say I'm using uh, Brave and I watched a commercial and I want uh, tokens uh, retrieved and the developers of Brave don't want to handle that my browser needs to send a transaction that's saying, hey, I watched uh, the commercial and I deserve Brave tokens, right? So that needs to go to the blockchain. And on Web3, because developers don't want to manage that, they want to release and forget about the data. I mean, forget, not forget, but they want it to be living there on the, the Web3 space. So they need, yeah, they need somebody to host that. And when... I, I hope uh, the, the visionaries of uh, Web3 uh, the, thought about how it's going to look like. 
they wanted dApps to have a lot of service available, right? Because you have a lot of nodes running, but how are you going to get to those nodes? And also, how are you going to monetize the load you're adding to them? Now, there, is, there are some discussions that, you know, you could use light clients, but also light clients, they create load on the nodes and you see the number of nodes decreasing. So the current state of RPC market is going towards more centralized entities uh, utilizing scale and less decentralized node runners spontaneous uh, running their nodes because creating nodes is going to get more expensive with time because you're going to have less nodes, more demand, and this has to be monetized in order to make it fair, okay? In order to make so dApps can get quality service and not rely on altruism or not rely on a single provider that's a bit going against Web3 values because I have nothing against those providers. They're great. They're allowing the ecosystem to flourish, but they're also prone to censorship and legislation. They're not decentralized entities that we've come to benefit from in Web3. And mm -hmm. those centralized entities, they are the backbone of utilizing Web3 efficiently when you're not, you know, running your own node. And, and who runs his own node? Only developers, not end users, okay? So developers during development or enterprises, they might run their end nodes. They, they will, from interviews, I can say they will hate it. <laughs> they will hate it, but they would <laughs> run their own nodes. Um, but use, end users will not. And then you, you have to either have a variety of providers and a lot of sophisticated apps embed into their clients several providers because in case one is down and in case one is throttling, then you need throttling is limiting your requests per second. So if one is mm -hmm. throttling, you might go to the other one and it might be the economic thing to do. Um, so the state of the market right now is you have some very good actors. They are market dominators. Um, they're huge companies, they're doing great job, and uh, they're under legislation. So when the Venezuela uh, happenstance happened, IPs were blocked and, and Venezuelans couldn't get to Ethereum. Uh, and the Tornado Cash happened, there was censorship. And those are stuff that are happening. Um, and also there is the risk of uh, hackers when you have spear phishing for a specific uh, wallet that's uh, accessing through an RPC. And there are other security attacks that I cannot prove that happened, but like front running or uh, uh, censoring specific transactions that you wouldn't know that are happening behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. um, so we are trying to remove some assumptions of trust and uh, availability and create a standard that utilizes decentralization's uh, benefits. And those are having autonomous parties competing for giving you service. This is incentivized by game theoretic models of, just like you know, proof of stake or mining uh, uh, incentivizes honest behavior. That, so Lava is building the same incentives into the Lava ecosystem so providers can get rewards for job done, monetize running nodes, okay? And also be pruned to accountability for it. Mm. I see. And, and say um, someone wants to look into this market and uh, see the alternative, like who else uh, could I connect to use open APIs, whatever, uh, if I wasn't to choose Lava? And perhaps how do you guys distinguish yourself from, from those competitors? I think there are a lot of um, apt alternatives. I think there are a lot of apt comparisons even. Um, I think uh, most recently what's been interesting is I've seen more projects that have come about that are essentially just lists of RPC URLs. And so some of these are intelligent lists in the sense that it's actually, say, a script or something that runs that checks all the RPCs to see if they're rate limited or see if they time out and then gives you the fastest of that list. And some of them are unintelligent lists where a developer simply just tries out the RPC 
uh, endpoint URL and sees if it fits their description. And um, both of those solutions are great. And I will, I, I think that there's, there's a, a utility in pointing to those. But I will note that the difficulty with those is the lack of incentivization. So the nodes, altruism is a very powerful motivator for tech people in general. You know, I don't think many of the innovations in free and open source software that we've seen wouldn't ha would have been possible if altruism wasn't a big motivator. The problem is altruism alone does not become sustainable. And so many times uh, we see a degradation of quality of these endpoints with a greater amount of use, which I think is what Omer was speaking to as well. Whereas Lava's incentive system will keep these lists of providers fresh by rewarding providers who provide the best service with the most people and, mm -hmm. and shuffling. And so by, by doing that, it creates an incentive system that these, these plain URL lists that you'll see sometimes in discords of various projects or sometimes on GitHub where people are creating these intelligent scripts that do this, they can't really provide this conflict, conflict resolution, incentivization, and fraud detection, which are big pieces mm -hmm. of what Lava does. Additionally, there's uh, Pocket, which is another provider that has been mentioned oftentimes in a similar breath as Lava. I think um, it offers some good, some, it, it offers some good, and there's um, some difficulties that I think Lava is specifically trying to solve that um, Pocket, for example, if I'm, if I'm recalling correctly from their documentation, the requirements to run a Pocket node is probably about double what it is to require, uh, required to run a Lava node. So you don't get as many people running Pocket nodes and thus you don't get the level of decentralization that you would get with something like Lava. You know, one of the theses of the blockchain environment is that there should be as many different node runners spread about as possible. And Lava is also taking steps not only to make the node manageable to run, but also to incentivize as many people to run nodes as possible through uh, a, another mechanism that I think Omer can speak to a, a little bit further with that. But uh, I, I would say that those are those are some of the two immediate ones that come to mind to me. Omer, mm -hmm. did you have any any addition on this? Yeah, uh, Lava is trying to innovate in several regards, and I haven't seen solutions to some of the problems we're aiming to solve and making progress towards. Uh, our SDK, a completely autonomous front-end library that gets you access directly to providers without syncing with a bottleneck and without being uh, tracked by IP uh, is something that uh, I know a lot of developers in Web3 are looking forward to, uh, and they would love to get their hands on that. Uh, and it's something we're pretty proud of, building it from the scratch, knowing that we're not trying to sell our PC. We're trying to create a standard for providers to get access to front-ends in a secure way that gives them monetization. And doing that, uh, we are building it for scale and in order to be unsupervised. So Lava doesn't have some entity that's deciding rewards. And also, it doesn't have an entity that checks uh, uh, authenticity of the data. The authenticity of the data is being triggered by the clients themselves uh, being elected uh, as a temporary fisherman for a few relays, and they're checking their own uh, relays, and they are using the governance mechanism in order to resolve them with very high reliability, meaning you don't have uh, those uh, uh, temporary minority, uh, 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 a small group of providers providing the same faulty response, causing a client to think that that's the legitimate one. So we have some mechanism in place. And the fact that we're wrapping all the API calls known to blockchain nodes um, gives consumers a lot of flexibility. So a consumer uses the SDK inside the libraries he's used to. For example, we have integration with EtherJS okay, mm. uh, for our SDK. 
And if you look at the startup code, it looks like you just set up a provider just like you would set up a centralized provider, providing a, 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 an object that has an initialization with an, an endpoint, but we don't have an endpoint. We have a, a, a seed a, a list of providers that is centralized and dynamic. And with that, you have refreshing peers all the time on that front end, and it gets uh, uh, something that we call a badge that gives it temporary usage depending on the DApps subscription. So because when you have stuff on a front end and you need crop cryptographic proofs, you have some problem of privacy because a DApp would never put a private key that's entitled to RPC use on a front end, right? So we have a, a, a very nice solution that's very innovative that we've put inside in order to manage front ends with, uh, uh, with the cryptographic proofs that Lava provides. And mm -hmm. uh, wrapping that, we're aiming to, why we're calling it a standard? Because we're, we are calling it that HTTP requests or gRPC requests on their own unwrap with the extra stuff that you need to provide in order to guarantee quality service uh, are insufficient. So we've built wrappers on both sides. So providers have it easy time providing those headers. Consumers have an easy time verifying those headers. And we have a blockchain ecosystem, a decentralized ecosystem, any permissionlessly can join and hold accountable for those headers that are added to your requests. Interesting. And speaking of ecosystem and the chains that you guys support, I'm just looking at your <clears throat> documentation and the, the chains uh, that you can access through the gateway. Uh, it's quite long, I must say. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen or followed, there's everything from, of course, Cosmos chains like FMOS, Cosmos Hub, Osmosis, Juno. The list is quite long. Then there's a group, I would call it, EVM chains and Layer 2s, Polygon, Ethereum mainnet, of course. Base, also, you have tested for. That's interesting. Quite new chain, uh, all day at two. Phantom, et cetera, et cetera. I'm curious to hear, what's the like? how is the decision-making on your end when you choose to uh, set up or connect with a, uh, with a certain chain or ecosystem? Because, I mean, I think a lot of people following this channel, at least, they would definitely argue and, and support your choice on the, on the Cosmos focus. Um, but curious to hear, uh, how is the decision-making process for you guys? To be honest, it takes me more time to document what chains we have than add support <laughs> for them. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, just last week, uh, my CTO asked me, uh, for FDever, can you add 10 new chains? And I said, yeah, why not? And we did it. Um, because we built the underlying tech to support the API. So, for example, Solana, they're using JSON RPC. So, true, it's completely different uh, instruction set. But proxying JSON RPC and adding the headers and having the SDK handle that and having the provider process handle that, that tech is already implemented in, and in our open source uh, uh, GitHub. So, everything that does that is already implemented. So, adding a configuration for what calls are allowed and uh, uh, placeholders for the amount of CU they cost a provider to run because not all calls are the same in, in terms of load. Um, this is what's necessary in order to add a chain. Now, when we just started, we added chains by their difficulty in terms of development. So we started with Ethereum. There's a lot of... Uh, uh, chains using JSON RPC. It was the biggest one. The second one we added was Osmosis because first I was building with the guys using Cosmos and we had nodes running and we knew the ecosystem. And second, it's using different APIs which are newer and more challenging to add support for. And one of Lava's eh, 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 mottos is to let you use as if you would use your own node. And since Cosmos presented something that's unique in terms of gRPC support as uh, uh, for the RPC calls, and that's a newer protocol that's not commonly supported by other providers. Actually, if you look for it, it you're gonna have a very hard time finding gRPC support for uh, Cosmos chains. Usually they only support the rest, that is the easier thing to do because it's using HTTP. Uh, and uh, Lava decided to focus on 
utilizing and offering all of what the Cosmos ecosystem has to offer because we want Cosmos mm -hmm. chains to pop up quickly and have a means to add RPC for them uh, without needing to beg some centralized provider to add them. And since the Cosmos ecosystem is going to thrive on lowering the barriers of entry for new chains or app chains to, to be created, Lava aims to lower that barrier and make it very easy to add specs for your chain. And if you have a new chain, a Cosmos chain that's coming and Lava is fully decentralized, uh, hopefully soon, sooner than later, um, and uh, the chain is going to add spec, I mean, the chain, the new Cosmos chain are going to create a proposal on Lava blockchain for adding RPC support. And once it's passed, providers could register and get paid for it. And you just need that initial supply. And obviously, when you pop up your app chain, usually you would do it through a public RPC, right? Because you want to do encourage developers. So on Lava, you can do it very seamlessly. And also existing Cosmos users using Lava could get access to it immediately because Lava uh, subscription lets you access multi-chains, all the chains supported on Lava at once. So the users, developers, they wouldn't need to do anything new. They would just use their libraries with a new chain. So Lava is aiming to lower the barriers of entry for app chains to get access to their developers. And any developer that needs more APIs could have a proposal to do that. And because Lava spec is going to be governance controlled and open source. So you could add more specs uh, and, and get support for what you need. Just Beautiful. to underscore what, what Omar is saying there, um, that, that means that the community up who is using Lava can actually propose specs that are then voted on uh, by others who are using Lava. And those things can be adopted without the intervention of the, the team. That's awesome, man. Is there a uh, sort of down-to-earth practical implementation of Lava? Uh, is there like a case study or tutorial where you can point to like, these guys have been using Lava? I'm just curious to hear. Uh, I can see the community is also asking for a bit of uh, practical examples, perhaps. There are several tutorials that have been prepared that explain how to use the gateway. Uh, there's a gateway getting started guide that's available at our docs. If you go to docs.lavanet.xyz, you'll be able to see a couple different tutorials and resources. There's also some really great uh, community prepared tutorials and resources. I think some of our community members, one of whom may be here, Apia Zabi, shout out to you, um, has prepared a setup guide for if you wanted to start your own node and get started more on the provider validator side. But yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's, there's some good materials, scripts available that uh, make things a little bit faster, as well as getting started guides that can kind of get you in the realm and moving. Awesome. And if people are sort of curious and uh, looking beyond the horizon and what's coming to Lava Network, how does the future look like? What's, uh, what's on your roadmap, guys, um, for people who are interested in integrating and using Lava? I think the SDK is a, is a big thing. I mean, when we're talking about this easy to use, decentralized SDK, it's going to eliminate trust assumptions. And it's designed with, I, I mean, I've, I've done some uh, testing and uh, it's, it's going to be designed with very easy to use interfaces that I think developers will appreciate. I mean, one thing to note about it is you're going to have basically plug and play decentralized access to a variety of chains pretty much, you know, with, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say with a couple of lines of code. So this, this to me is one of the kind of groundbreaking things that I think Lava uh, can offer. And I, and I would say looking forward to the SDK is a, is a big piece. Uh, I can also say that we have planned a lot of uh, quality of service improvements in our accountability mechanism. Uh, such an example is our clustering mechanism. It's not open source yet, and we haven't started work on it, but we have a clear roadmap on us wanting to cluster consumers by their usability because not all consumers uh, prefer the same thing. Some consumers care more about availability 
some consumers care about latency, some consumers care about sync, meaning the freshness of the data you're receiving, and some consumers care more about uh, scale, meaning they could scale with the same provider or with a variety of providers. And uh, dynamic clustering mechanism that lets providers get elected more for consumers that need their specific service uh, is something that we're planning to do. And also, um, we are having uh, rule set uh, optimizations. For example, if I'm a DAP and I need to be compliant and I want only providers that are compliant, so I need to be able to filter the service I'm getting. So those kind of uh, special suits tailored for the RPC needs of consumers or stuff that we're aiming to do in order to appeal to a broader audience using the standard. Hmm, I see. And just to hone in a bit on the SDK and the other things on the roadmap. So if I understand correctly, if you look sort of five years from now, 10 years from now, perhaps 10 years is too far. It's uh, it's crypto nevertheless, right? So 10 years is uh, eternity in crypto. But um, if you look a bit ahead, um, how does the future look like if uh, you guys succeed in uh, executing on your roadmap? Will chains, for example, be integrating with your setting up with your SDK and then connecting to all kinds of chains, almost like IBC is almost like like in my head, at least uh, conceptually how I see it. Like IBC lets you move around uh, and communicate between different app chains. Is that what is that like something that Lava can almost like replace? I think it's going to be difficult to replace, of course, but complementary uh, at least to uh, to IBC. Or how does the future look like if you uh, if you execute uh, successfully on this roadmap? Yeah, I think it's 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 definitely in alignment with the vision of Cosmos and complementary to the goals of IBC. I would say that's a great analogy. It's maybe at a different layer, just in the sense that. We're, we're talking about RPC and APIs as opposed to direct chain to chain, but there's no right. telling what the future holds. Uh, what, what, I, what I will say is that um, looking forward, I envision and hope, and hope that we can get to a place where Lava supports every chain, where it is as simple as you know somebody is creating a new chain in the Cosmos ecosystem and they're creating a spec for Lava simultaneously. And that spec is being added to Lava almost instantaneously. So that means that developers who are using the SDK, developers who are using the gateway, they will very easily have access to pretty much any chain in the space um, and be able to do RPC functions or API functions or other sorts of data, data functions with that data from that chain. And I think that that is a big vision, but I think it's a very real vision based upon the way that things are shaping up. Hmm. I mean, it would be beautiful if uh, if some something like IBC, and in this case, Lava Network, could extend beyond the Cosmos ecosystem. I think everybody in Cosmos and beyond would love that. And uh, if Lava Network makes that happen, I mean, we'll be big fans of that. And I think many will be. Thank you. Um... And, and uh, we are also aiming to reduce the overhead developers need to take in order to go through the specification of chain. So, for example, if I'm building a new Cosmos chain and I'm utilizing 90% of Cosmos existing modules, like I'm using Treasury, I'm using Vesting, I'm using those stuff. And those are stuff other people are familiar with. And I want them to integrate my chain too. And uh, they're tooling there uh, on Lava's specification because we have this inheritance of spec. You could actually only see the new calls this chain adds. And then developers can have it very easy to know what existing tools would work for any new chain that joins the Cosmos ecosystem immediately and what uh, new APIs are exposed. And also because when you set up a new app chain, you might not want to uh, create an elaborate spec and maintain it because that's a big overhead. Lava could be the place you do it because you could, instead of competing for uh, having RPC uh, uh, results in Google that is very centralized, developers know they just go to the Lava specification. They have 
a, a big variety of providers, highest quality providers join Lava. Yeah, that's me aiming five years in the future. Uh, uh, providers wouldn't want even to go and you know waste uh, money on marketing where they can have access to consumers using just stake and uh, being honest and giving good quality of service. Uh, and uh, the rich APIs that are going to be developed are going to be super accessible to developers as well because you could add it as an additional spec of rich APIs and developers wouldn't need to look for it or learn about it. It's going to be all in one place. They could experiment it very easily with the same library they've been using for different chains or, mm -hmm. or is already in their front end. So they're just adding more costs. Imagine you have a front end and you need to add a feature. And you just do dot get NFT and it works. Okay, so mm. that's what we're aiming to do: to have all your favorite libraries integrate with multi-chain tool that gives you access. And why it's gonna be multi-chain? Because that's gonna be community governed and controlled. So when people have a new chain and it's hyped and they want access and they want to build on it, like base, just as easy as getting that proposal approved and you have base and that's why base is in lava right now because it was super easy and there's a lot of you know a uh, 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 fuss and 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 builders are want access to it and it's hard to get access to cosmos chains because not all rpc providers are providing it fast enough um at the rate chains are popping up and uh, lava could be a very good solution to that problem because it gives the community the control they need in order to keep pace with the stuff they're building. Beautiful. And yeah, I mean, uh, the future is multi-chain, multi multi-planetary, as Cosmonauts likes to say. Okay. Um, and uh, it's only this is only the beginning, if you ask. I think most people in Cosmos. But speaking of creating a new chain, you guys are creating your own Cosmos app chain. Speak to that. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about the token and uh, yeah, what's on the roadmap there. Okay. Um, we, yeah, we are developing a Cosmos chain, definitely, and we're not branching or uh, forking anything. Uh, we, we keep 100% uh, Cosmos support, and we are uh, active participants of the Cosmos Builders uh, ecosystem. We love the ecosystem. We love the community support we're getting when we have consensus failures, and sometimes the best code does that. Um uh, we are working together in order to solve it fast. And um, yeah, so we are active participants in the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, we are building now a module that we want to um, push into the Cosmos repository as a generic module uh, called Fixation that lets you do some very nice things. Hmm. Um, we are aiming to improve some Cosmos uh, documentation. Uh, we have noticed there is some missing documentation around popping up your new production chain. The, the documentation for setting up development chain is very good, especially with Ignite, the tool we've been using in the beginning that we love. Um, but setting up production chain was uh, more difficult than it can be. And we would love to contribute to documentation about that, get up chains into production faster. Um, and we're active participants in a lot of uh, Discord channels of the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, and uh, we are uh, uh, thinking about interchange security and we love what they're doing there. Um, no uh, decisions in that regard, but uh, I believe uh, for the Cosmos ecosystem, that would be a capital efficiency. And, and I'm a huge fan of capital efficiency. Yeah. Um, so uh, we are uh, actively participating in the Cosmos ecosystem and we support it. And uh, we make sure that uh, all of Lava's technology supports 100% of what uh, Cosmos is doing. And when Cosmos uh, SDK decides to remove REST, they're going to be the gRPC alternative as uh, decentralized RPC support uh, that a lot of uh, centralized providers might skip upon because it might not be big enough of an audience and gRPC adds a lot of tech overhead, but we're ready and we already have gRPC enabled on our testnet, uh, and you could experiment it on our uh, gateway. Uh, if not this week, then maybe it was pushed to the next one, but it's, uh, it's there. Um, yeah. Just out of curiosity, because you guys are clearly quite deep into the Cosmos ecosystem, 
And um, that's great, of course. And we thank you for it, all your hard work. But uh, how has your experience been uh, in terms of your your solution to like your approach to I, uh, RPC compared to IPC interchain? Uh, yeah, inter blockchain. Uh, so the reason why I ask that question is because from a conceptual perspective, you you sort of compete or are compatible. It depends on how you look at it, right? So has there been any pushback, for example, from the community, the Cosmos community, on how like why would you spend time on this? We got IBC already. Uh, is that is that a discussion that you guys have been having with the with the ecosystem or or no? Uh, actually, Lava does not seek to compete with IBC at all. Uh, we're aiming for RPC data to be accessible through chains. Yeah, but IBC gives you. Uh, a, a synchronous transfer of value between chains. And Lava cannot guarantee that because Lava is going to have a lot of decentralized and unsynced providers providing that data. Unsynced because a provider doesn't have to be uh, a validator in order to provide RPC data. So a lot of Lava's providers could not provide the transaction themselves. And in IBC, it's going to the validator. So Lava does not seek to compete. We are seeking to allow consumers to send safe transactions from Lava, yeah? Because, you know, mempool transactions are gonna propagate to the validators also from Lava, but Mm. IBC offers you transfer of value where you transfer value from one point to the other and you get something in return because nothing is just, uh, I'm not gonna transfer value one way because you need the guarantee that it was transferred, the back and forth. And that's logic that you could implement even with a couple of nodes that are talking, right? But IBC does that in a protocol that's safe. And uh, since we're not aiming in that direction, I personally don't feel like we're competing. We might be building tech that might allow IBC to ride over RPC calls from Lava before it decides to do any uh, integrate together in order to increase uh, your guarantee before you're making a decision based on transferring value. Um, but our, we did not uh, pursue in that direction. And uh, actually our experiment uh, experience with IBC is premature because we are building tech in order to support nodes and not transfer of value. And we are aiming to integrate IBC later on when we are looking for liquidity for the Lava token. Um, Because IBC is a great way to provide liquidity and transfer of value between chains. And uh, DeFi is going to benefit greatly from real yield that uh, Lava aims to bring. Because Lava aims to bring some services usability to uh, uh, Cosmos native token. So uh, that's what we're aiming to do. And then you could have the ability to, through IBC, to buy subscriptions on Lava or sell your provider earned tokens from the work that you've been doing and use that in order to have financial incentives or buy some uh, Metaverse uh, NFTs and and stuff like that. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I also think it's important to always frame that in terms of a both-and instead of an either or. I yeah. think that, you know, we're, we're ultimately all trying to solve the problems of Web3 access, which is very fragmented and sharded as it stands today. But the beauty of this is that there may be light, light scale, small, you know, small scale light solutions that developers are trying to implement, maybe even regarding smart contracts and other things that Lava SDK or Lava's offerings of the gateway may be uniquely positioned to assist a developer with that whereas it's something that may be a little heavier like ibc it could be overkill for a problem like that so i think it it addresses the gamut when we have solutions of various sizes done with different approaches amen to that and that's very much in the in the cosmos sort of approach and ethos to things so uh well done on that i think guys you have been super generous with your time um, is there anything you want to leave the community with today? Is there something that uh, we left out or any resources, sites that uh, you want to point us to if we want to read more? 
I, I invite uh, all of you guys uh, to, if you have any questions or stuff that you want to share, uh, please do it uh, either on our Twitter. We have the Lava Network uh, official handle here as a co-host. We have a Discord link in the body of that uh, account. And uh, we love the community feedback. We take very seriously suggestions. Some guys are asking, hey, can you do that? Or... Or um, a few months ago, I had somebody worried about uh, some predictability MEV attack, and it was already integrated into our solution without even, you know, mentioning it. Um, and uh, we are taking uh, uh, community responses very seriously. So do, if you like to contribute, if you want to be part of something that's innovative in Web3 and could change the face of how it looks, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out uh, either to Kagemni or through our Discord. Um, yeah, we're trying to build something that's also yours. Yeah, absolutely. Join our community on Discord, y'all. It's, um, it's really awesome what we're building. You know, we hold community and engineering calls. We involve our community in the development process, as Omer has said. You know, we're providing uh, Cosmos content and tutorials on Twitter. We got a brand new shiny website. Lavanet.xyz. You should check it out. It has our light paper, docs, GitHub, all that stuff. Use the gateway. Try it. Give us feedback. We will, we will, we are looking for your feedback. So whatever you try of ours, whatever you see, areas of improvement, we take that, as he has said, very seriously. I will I will have an interview, you know, with you myself and collect your feedback. So <laughs> there's there's plenty of opportunity to get involved. We have a developer champions program that's coming out, um, which we're involving developers who want to really push forward this RPC thing or build build unique projects. But we, we look forward to seeing everybody on our Discord and our community calls, our engineering calls, and all the various ways that we we touch base with our community. Beautiful, man. You guys are on your way. And uh, good luck with uh, launching your app chain and all the other things that's on the roadmap that we talked about today. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. Thank, thank you guys for joining today and uh, looking forward to speak to you again sometime in the future. Thank you. Absolutely. Would love that. Yep. Take care, guys. All right. Bye-bye.